Hey, it's Joey with Dismantle Podcast. Before we kick off this episode, we want to tell you about Patreon. Patreon is an online community where listeners and creators can connect, but it's more than just connection, it's community. With any monthly support, you can access things like upcoming guests, exclusive episodes, even behind-the-scenes content you won't find anywhere else. Podcasters aren't in it for the money, but to continue to get guests, record episodes, time to edit, and posting, all of that requires energy and funds. So if you like what you're hearing or you've shared any episodes with friends, consider becoming a patron of any amount by visiting patreon.com slash dismantlepod. The church has always taken the shape of culture. Uh, and we can see how the way we practice church has basically just tracked with these social and economic changes that have happened. Welcome to The Dismantle, creating community, not converts. Welcome to Dismantle Podcast, a place for community, not converts. I'm your host, Joey. On this show, we attempt to dismantle an issue that poses as problematic for the church by having a discussion with a guest who has insight or experience with that subject. Now, we're not always going to agree, and that's okay, but we're not going to argue because our goal is to build bridges and not barriers. My guest today is Eugene Kim. Our conversation centers around church structures. Is it all bad? We talk about church branding and the discipleship model that isn't working. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Eugene, welcome to the show. Hey, Joey. Really good to meet you. I'm glad we got to connect. This has been a long time coming. I think we booked this couple months back, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I've had it on my calendar for a while. Yeah. So I'm really glad that we finally got to connect. Uh, can you share with our listeners a little bit about who you are, some of the work you do, and where you're located? Sure. Uh, I am originally from the New York City area, but I've been living in the Boston area for most of my life now. Uh, and I've also been in church ministry for most of my life now. And um, the last church I served, I was there for 17 years. Uh, but in 2020, literally right before the pandemic shut everything down, uh, I stepped out of my role as a pastor in church. Uh, my last Sunday was like a week before you know Massachusetts got shut down. Um, and I left to try to rethink how we do church from the ground up. And so I started a nonprofit called Not New Wine Collective uh, so that I could be in this work and in this uh, work in conversation with others uh, about what the next iteration of Christianity might look like. And hopefully we'll get to put some of our ideas into action. That's fantastic. And it it, you know, I will come back to New Wine Collective. I think that's a fascinating mm -hmm. conversation that we're going to have, but it also sets up the conversation in a way that that sort of takes away any pretense. When you say we're we need to rethink the way we're doing Christianity, the way we're doing church to some degree, and having the the length of time that you've had within church on staffs and and things like that, I think your perspective is incredibly insightful. And so this is this is sort of touchy when we say this, but there is a business model that we apply to church. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it sort of aligns with corporate America. You know, there's staffs, there's programs, there's products, so to mm -hmm. speak. Can can we talk about before we before we say another word? Like, 
when we say the business model of church, what are we referring to? Is it everything that I just mentioned, or is there something else that's permeating this system? Yeah, I, I think you've named a lot of it. Uh, when I think of the business model of church, I think of the Sunday programmatic, I guess it doesn't have to be Sunday, but the attractional programmatic staff-led church that's usually a 501c3 organization um, and you know has revenue, gets their revenue from uh, donations. Um, I think that's kind of the prevalent model we see in America at the least. Yeah. And so how did we get to that model? You know, a newly ascended Jesus leaves. We have disciples who are, uh, you know, not wanting to wait on tables. We see a church structure being built in the book of Acts. We see numbers of people coming to Christ daily. And now we've got mega church stadiums filled with thousands of people. You know, obviously mm -hmm. we skipped a beat, but how did we get to this, hey, we need a service idea. This is where we gather. This is the building. How did we get to that? Yeah, that's a that's an awesome question. And it, it's a huge question. Um, my disclaimer is I am not an, an historian or an economist, um, just a pastor. Um, but I suspect that it happened quite gradually, uh, like the proverbial frog in a kettle. Um, and one of the things that doesn't get acknowledged enough is that uh, all throughout history, the church has always um, been a mirror of whatever culture it, it's been a part of. Um, so I, I'm going to I'm going to quote something. Uh, there's this great quote from Richard Halverson, who was a former chaplain of the U.S. Senate. Uh, and he said, in the beginning, the church was a fellowship of men and women centered on the living Christ. Then the church moved to Greece, where it became a philosophy. Then it moved to Rome, where it became an institution. Next, it moved to Europe, where it became a culture. And finally, it moved to America, where it became an enterprise. And I think that says a lot. Um, wow. Yeah, for, that says a whole lot. Yeah, for good or bad, or, or I should say for good and bad, probably, uh, mm -hmm. the church has always taken the shape of culture. Uh, and we can see how the way we practice church has basically just tracked with these social and economic changes that have happened, right? Uh, and, and of course, this is a very complex uh, thing. And so we're just talking broad strokes here. And, you know, my experiences in American, you know, Christianity, mostly Protestantism. And so when churches, well, well most people lived in these agrarian economies, uh, right? Churches were small, local, relational. Uh, and then you move into the industrial revolution and manufacturing came about and, you know, large scale production of goods. And, and, you know, coincidentally, that's when the church began to hold these big tent revivals. Um, and then fast forward to now, we, we have a post-industrial economy that's more based on information and services and um, entertainment and celebrity culture. And it kind of feels like that's kind of where the church is stuck today. Um, we kind of operate as these supposedly nonprofit businesses. Uh, some are big, some are small, but they all operate with kind of the same basic business model, which is to produce a product, uh, which consumers consume. Um, and it's this whole system. And uh, all these shifts probably felt good and right at the time. Uh, but now we've sort of 
you know, been trained to think of church as a building or an organization or a weekly event, um, which, of course, like none of that actually is what it means to be the church. And so what we see is, you know, the American church has become pretty much a mirror image of this market driven, um, you know, free market capitalism culture that we live in. It's really interesting. I want to go back to something that you had said. Off the top of my head, we talk about revivals and, you know, people like Billy Graham and mm-hmm. uh, Whitfield and, and you know, the great revivalists that we would say, hey, these guys really had an impact on Christianity. Mm-hmm. And yet, to your point, there does seem to be this capitalistic enterprise going on with what we would call church today. Do you think that one is responsible for the other? where a bunch of people would just come and and sort of hear the product, so to speak, but not have to really engage, not really be the hands and feet, and then sort of take that individualistic ideal and say, oh, this is church. Hmm. That's a great question. And I'm I'm not sure. Um, I I wonder if it has more to do with um, kind of like it's the water we swim in, right? Culture is always the water we swim in. Uh, and we're we're in the water, but we might not be aware of it. And so for the people who are doing church and doing ministry this way, that probably made perfect sense for them. And the people who are experiencing and participating in ministry and church this way, that probably made perfect sense for them too, uh, because it mirrors everything else that they're experiencing all you know throughout the lives that they're living and the culture they're surrounded by. Hmm. That's a great way of putting it. And so now, like you said, from these structures, not all bad things happen. You know, Mm -hmm. obviously there's good that's happening. People are connecting to community. There's worship engagement. There's small groups and things like that. Can Mm -hmm. we honestly say with a straight face that all of this is bad? Oh, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I softball question for you. (laughs) Um, I, I grew up in church and I probably for most people, we can say there was some good and some bad, uh, like most things in life. Um, but in, in my view, I think churches, um, the way that we typically think of them, um, they can be a truly essential part of people's lives, right? They provide social and spiritual belonging. Um, and I think at their best, that's what churches do. They they help organize and provide structure for people's relationships. Um, and that's kind of who we are as human beings. We're relational beings. And so, um, you know, at their best, I think churches are supposed to be these loving spiritual communities. Uh, and many of them are, right? And um, churches and institutions, they help to preserve tradition. Um, they help to gather people. So there's a lot of good stuff that happens uh, as a part of the organized or institutional church. Um, I guess the problem is that there's also uh, some downsides that come with any system. And so I, I guess that's what we're talking about today, right? Yeah. And, you know, again, off the top of my head, why do you think, maybe this is a broad brushstroke, but why mm. do you think people in more what we'd call the deconstruction community, people who have left church, basically just say, hey, everything was bad. 
Mm-hmm. You know, why, why is there not really reflection on the good that came? Mm-hmm. Is it just easier and that's just our human tendency? Or, like, is there really something that people didn't get any good out of these out of these communities? Mm-hmm. Man, that is a... That is a great question. I'm filled with these easy questions for you, Eugene. You know, I can't answer for everyone, uh, obviously, and everyone is a different place in their journey. Um, To me, it sort of feels natural um, when you're trying to differentiate from an environment or a system, right, or even like your own family of origin. There is a sort of like, you know, need to distance and need to sort of draw a harder line. Um, and for some of us, especially those who have been harmed or hurt by church, uh, that's gotta be a really bright, thick line. Right. Mm. (laughs) Um, and so that makes all the sense in the world to me. Um, I think those of us who have sort of a mixed experience, it's almost like we might feel the luxury to see it with a little bit more, um, you know, gray, uh, it's like a mix of good and bad. So there's no judgment on anyone who kind of sees it as you know, as it is, because that's their experience. Um, but I think, um, at least my goal is to try to see the institution, see the system um, more clearly as it is, uh, not to paint a caricature of it, not to just, you know, tear it down just because I think the whole thing is, you know, horrible. Um, even in an imperfect fallen system, um, there's some reason that it developed that way. There's some good in it. And so I think we want to be, or, you know, we want to try to be able to claim, reclaim uh, what's healthy and good about that. Um, you know, the kind of other proverbial saying of like, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, so at least that's just been my, my, um, that's been my work for the past, uh, several years is to try to really take a good honest look um at some of these systems and um i gotta admit there's i I see a lot i have a lot of critique (laughs) um i'm hoping that actually helps us move towards something better i hate commercials especially before, during, or after something you're trying to listen to, like a podcast. They're always trying to get you to buy something you don't need or the product has nothing to do with what I'm listening to. I don't need a jet ski. Shows do that to make money. And we at Dismantle Podcast hate interrupting your listening experience. To keep this channel ad-free, you can support us on anchor.fm. A monthly support of any amount allows us to continue to deliver great content and conversations while not needing to sell you a jet ski. Visit anchor.fm slash dismantlepod to sign up for as little as a dollar a month. Yes, even a dollar helps. Keep your headphones jet ski free. Visit anchor.fm slash dismantlepod. Critique is always rooted in love, and we don't critique something unless we actually care about it. And, mm-hmm. and so I would love your thoughts on one specific aspect that isn't working and you've piqued my interest ever since you you wrote it to me but our discipleship model mm-hmm. uh you had mentioned that it's not working i would love if you could unpack that yeah i'm gonna do my best uh it it also it's such a big question we could probably spend hours on this um 
there's something that I, I've you know written in a journal entry that really rings true to me. Uh, it's that our discipleship model is often just our business model in disguise. Um, in other words, um, many churches are driven by our e- by economics um, more so than theology or discipleship, uh, because it's really our business model, our economic model, that determines like what you know what we value and what drives uh, most of what we do and how we do it. And so, to me, if the business model is dependent on drawing crowds uh, and keeping people loyal to our brand, then to me that that begs the question, what are we truly discipling people into? Um, if our, you know, as a pastor, you know, I might not be the best pastor <laughs> for every individual in the church, but if my paycheck or or the survival of the organization depends on your money staying uh, with our organization, then it creates this huge, uh, awkward conflict of interest. Uh, as a pastor, I might be tempted to manipulate and control um, you, you or someone else to stay loyal to our brand. You know, don't go to the church down the street. They're X, Y, Z, and you know we're better in all these other ways. Um, so in my experience as a pastor, I, I just started kind of seeing, um, in myself, this, um, this impulse to overfunction in my role to, um, you know, be, um, be a, play a role in people's lives, uh, a certain role that's kind of a recipe for dependency, uh, and burnout. And so um, I think from just that experience alone and, you know, a lot of my good friends are pastors and I feel like it's kind of this open secret. We all kind of like sense there's something perhaps not helpful or healthy about this model, Um, this like top down uh, dependency model on clergy. Um, So that's just one idea. Yeah. And and. You know, what What immediately comes to mind is, okay, that's not working. I don't think anybody would really disagree. Maybe, you know, maybe nitpicking, but what would an alternative actually be? You know, we've, we've developed this system for so long and we've become so reliant on these systems as a paycheck, as a belonging group, as a country club to some degree, uh, the main mechanism for outreach in our community. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens when that system is no longer in play? Yeah, I think that's the million dollar question. Like, I think there's a lot of people trying to process um, all the change that has been happening over the past 20, 30 years. And we're starting to realize, hey, the system isn't working the way we thought it did. Um, and there's actually a lot of downsides to this system. And we're seeing a lot of uh, abuse and, and, and pretty unhealthy things surfacing, right? And we're becoming aware of all these things. And so um, I think this is the conversation. There are, I think a lot of us are longing for something different and something new. Uh, and so the question is, how do we 
make space for those conversations uh, to come up with something that can be an alternative to that system. So I have a lot of ideas, um, but my ideas in isolation don't mean anything. That's kind of why I'm out here trying to connect with people and hear and learn from different voices um, so that we can imagine together a better way forward. I know that's not really answering your question, um, but yeah, we can kind of go into specifics if you'd if, if yeah, that'd be helpful. And, and, and I would love to go into specifics before we get into it. Let me just ask maybe a, a, a very transparent question, and I'll be the first one to admit this is sort of how I feel. Mm-hmm. To attend church, I mean, I work part-time as a worship leader. Mm-hmm. To attend the system is very convenient because I don't have to come up with a new structure. I don't have to do too much because of the pre-existing system. Yeah. Do you think at its core, people are really just afraid of the hard work of being the church? Mm-hmm. I think that could be a part of it. Um, you know, I, I really don't fault people who are in the system um, for operating a certain way and valuing certain things. I don't think it's anyone's fault. Um, that's kind of why it's called a, a, a systemic problem, right? Um, yeah. Systemic problems require systemic solutions. So it's not just one thing or one pragmatic solution you can sort of like slap on and like we actually need to re-examine the whole structure from the the underlying theology to the economy to uh, the spirituality, the, the discipleship model, the missional model. Uh, the whole thing is a complex system held together, right? It's sort of like what some people have called uh, the Christian industrial complex. And you can't just, you know, pull out you know one piece and expect the whole thing to change um you know it's a culture it's a system uh, and it it works and it runs for a reason and the larger these systems grow the more complex they become the, the harder they are to dismantle um and so that's why i think our best hope is to basically innovate in the margins um you know people who are going to try to create new culture, create new systems. And so I'll give you an example. Yeah, um, I'd love one. Sure, I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> um, the idea of churches as branded organizations um, is not biblical. Um, it is very much a product of our capitalist capitalistic culture. And so I think if there's any hope uh, of the body of Christ being one, uh, as Jesus prayed, right, at the end of his ministry. Um, then, controversial opinion, we need to abolish church brands. <laughs> I know that's hard for people to imagine, like, wait, how do you do church without a brand? <laughs> but we've done it for hundreds of years. Um and it is only in our current culture today that we sort of associate church with these organizations. So I believe that there is a way to do church that's uh, flatter, um, that is not as dependent on top-down hierarchies or this business model of gathering crowds. Um, and so I'm trying to imagine a way of being the church that sort of returns to something simpler and more organic. Um, that doesn't um, 
mirror culture in every single way, like it does today. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the definition of church. Like the word in Greek is ekklesia, which means called out. Um, and I'm, I, and I'm sure many, many of us are longing for a way for the church to be called out of empire and uh, scarcity and competition into something more uh, that reflects God's kingdom. powerful thought and and if we were just to go down the rabbit hole for a second mm-hmm. you know now there's no elevation now there's no bethel now there's no mm-hmm. hill song now there's no you know name your church whatever it is mm-hmm. i mean i'm i'm even at a loss because i i i'm just realizing the possibility of what that could be mm-hmm. and and how subversive that is to the culture because you you put it so beautifully like we have reflected what we are and if we're honest, yes, church is that. And so to completely subvert that would actually be stepping into that that third way of actually following Jesus instead of just A or B. Now it's that completely other option. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think it's up to us. Like I do not have uh, the fully fleshed out answer. Uh, I don't think any one of us, you know, has that. But I feel like. You know, we are on this journey looking for other people who are wandering, you know, in this kind of wilderness space, Um, you know, and and we're trying to figure out, okay, what does, first of all, what is the essence of what it means to be the church? And then what does that look like here and now? Um, And so, you know, when we think back to like the Acts 2 church, right, it it was, it was simple, small um, spiritual communities they had love and relationships at the center. Um, they gathered in homes and in the public square, right? And they shared their resources and supported one another, not an institution. And somehow there was an abundance in that. Everyone seemed to have everything they that they needed. Um, somehow the Lord added to their number daily, right, as it says, even though they had no buildings, no institutions, no seminaries, no church growth consultants or production budgets or PA systems, somehow there was something very powerful uh, in that expression of church. And so the question that I'm really wrestling with is like, okay, what is that? What is the essence of that expression of church? And what does that look like in, in our time, in our day, in our culture? Yeah, and that's and that's even a powerful thought. Like, what is the essence? Not that we naturally have to go and exactly do what they did, because mm-hmm. because then that just limits the Bible to uh, to a template, and we mm-hmm. just have to do what they did. Therefore, we get what they got. Right. But to get to the essence of that, I think that's an even powerful, uh, a more beautiful expression to say, like, yes, you are in your time and you are in your culture and you are in your community. Mm -hmm. Now, what does this look like in those settings? And I think that's a piece that maybe people are missing out on. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and I'll kind of put my cards out on the table, you know, in my learning and, you know, conversations with people and in my own thinking. um, I think the essence of church is love. Uh, I think love and relationships are supposed to be the center, and that's supposed to be our primary uh, discipleship model. It's supposed to be our primary missional model. Um, it's the practice of love. And 
I juxtapose that with uh, our current way, our programmatic way of doing church. And we've made it a lot about content um, and production rather than connection and participation. I'm trying to be alliterative so it sounds true. Um, you know, it's we've sort of the product that we're producing is a lot of sit in rows and, you know, watch what the professionals do on stage uh, rather than sit around tables and connect and practice love uh, or empathy or compassion. Um, or it's watch our YouTube channel or, you know, whatever the expression is these days. Um, I think somehow we have to figure out a way for the church to get back to being relational uh, and putting, uh, kind of activating the whole body of Christ uh, and en enabling everyone to practice love and not just, you know, consume content and information. Those are great thoughts, Eugene. And, you know, to wrap up our time, how have you then taken New Wine Collective and, and stepped into some of this practice-based demonstration of love? Yeah, that's, man, um, Joey, what we're trying to do is not start a church. Um, we're trying to create a different way of doing church. And um, at the beginning, you know, I, I talked about how the church usually just mirrors culture and in a way that's unavoidable, um, right? It's the water that we're in. Um, in a lot of ways, it feels like the church is stuck in a, in this kind of post-industrial scale economy. Everyone's trying to get big, you know, mega churchy. Um, but of course, we live in a network economy now, uh, or we're transitioning to a network economy, you know, with the internet and all. And so, you know, I have no idea if this will work or not, um, but we're trying, we're trying something. Um, we're trying to create uh, an online platform and um, whenever I say that, usually people are confused and say, oh, you're making an online church? No, it's the opposite. Um, we're trying to create an online platform that empowers people to do in-person community, basically church, uh, wherever they are. And so um, there's a lot to it. Um, but like I said, you know, people out in the margins, you know, we need to try things. And this is our experiment. Uh, of how to create an alternative model um, of an, a different way of doing church. And so that's our current expression of it. Uh, a lot of thinking, a lot of, a lot of conversations about that. But our tangible expression is to create an online platform that empowers people to create their own spiritual community wherever they are. That's awesome. And, you know, just as a, a final thought and maybe a, a peer into into your heart a little bit, what have been the biggest changes that you have tried to implement with this new risk, essentially, given the fact that you've been in ministry for as long as you have? Uh, you know, there are some tendencies to put similar structures in place and mm -hmm. to do things the way that we used to do it. What have been some of the biggest challenges for you personally as you try to walk in this new format? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the answer is I don't know yet because I feel like we're not even there. Um, we are still trying to uh, kind of shed 
um, what we knew before and reimagine, you know, from the ground up, as I said earlier. And it's this awareness that nothing, well, I, sh I should say, very little is going to change uh, unless we actually change the whole business model of church. I think those structures are the primary thing that's keeping us stuck. Um, and, you know, th those structures have become barriers. And so some of those need to be dismantled. And so as a pastor, I'm trying to operate differently. My goal is not to gain a huge following. Um, my goal is not really to become an influencer. Um, what I'm really trying to do is create a platform for others in a way um, so that anyone can do church. Anyone can lead church wherever they are. And so we'll see if this experiment works. And um, I, I kind of just invite anyone who's interested or curious to come along for this ride because, um, you know, I am just as curious as anyone else whether this can work or not. <laughs> That's awesome. And we really look forward to seeing how it all unfolds. If people wanted to connect with it and you online, how could they do yeah. that? So we do, we have a website and it's newwinecollective.org. Uh, and on that website, uh, you can read uh, some of our thinking. And in particular, there's a journal entry there. Uh, I think it's called uh, Church Business. Um, and that's a whole article just talking about this whole topic of the you know, business model of church. Uh, but there, there's some links where they can connect and contact me and join the conversation. That's great. We'll throw it all in the show notes. But again, Eugene, thank you so much for giving us your time and being on the show. Thank you so much, Joey. That wraps up today's episode of Dismantle Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. You know, if you're interested in more episodes of the show, behind-the-scenes content, or access to exclusive info about upcoming episodes, then head over to Patreon. Patreon is our online platform that allows the community of Dismantle Podcast to come together. We have three tiers of support, including our premium access that offers our exclusive Dismantled Podcast, where we share insights on episodes and my own thoughts on subject matter that we've covered, something you definitely won't want to miss, so head over to patreon.com slash dismantlepod. A big shout out to our patron subscribers, Alexis and Christine. Thanks to Mitchell supporting us on Anchor. And if you want to connect, we're at dismantlepod on all social media. Until next time, don't complain about the things you're not willing to change. Dismantle.